it's time for Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette media sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie. Delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are the News Gazette media sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Hello once again everybody and welcome to Monday Night Sports Talk with you until 6 o'clock tonight right here on News Talk 1400 WDWS. Champaign-Urbana. Phone line indeed is open. 217-356-9397 is the number. We've got plenty to talk about on this Monday night, hour number two of uh, Monday Sports Talk. This is the news writers from the News Gazette, the sports writers from the News Gazette. Matt Daniels is in the house along with Scott Ritchie. Matthew, how you doing? Busy weekend. Yeah, no kidding, <laughs> to, to say the least. We'll be but, saying uh, that for a few, uh, probably 26 or 8 straight weeks or so. Which is totally fine compared to the relatively quiet weekends we had for most of, of 2020. But uh, yeah, definitely uh, glad to finally get the chance to talk some Illinois football, knowing kind of what they're going to look like on the field after spending the past eight months not really certain how the Brett Bielma era would unfold. and. Started on Saturday and started off with uh, a big win for the Illini. Nice win, thirty to twenty-two over Nebraska. Actually, ended that that lead at thirty to nine at one point, and I was thinking, well, if they tack on another touchdown, that's going to look pretty good in the, the national media. And then the Nebraska made it uh, close, and a couple of those missed extra points early may have cost them. It certainly cost them a couple of points at, at the time, but uh, and the safety factored in there as well. Yeah, there were two kind of thoughts going through my head on, on Saturday afternoon while I was here in the office uh, waiting for, for the game to end and, and to dive into reading all of Scott Ritchie's great coverage along with Lauren Tate's and start laying out uh, Sunday's paper. One, I thought they were going to Illinois it, and by that I mean I thought they were going to blow it at the end because... Actually, seen... Nebraska kind of illinois it. Yes, they, <laughs> they very much did. And then two, I kind of was hoping for... Looking back on the game, I really wish Nebraska hadn't taken that safety because our beat writer, Scott Ritchie, almost got the score right in Saturday's paper. Uh, so for all that talk of sports writers that don't know what they're doing, or obviously we can't predict the future, but Scott came close to almost He's sitting predicting back a little, the future. I know this is a this of is a cocky a, pose here. Well, this I mean, a, I had 28-20 Illinois, and right. it was just two points off both directions. I mean, I don't think you'd get much better than that. And the safety, I mean... Cam Taylor Britt, like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. That was, uh, I mean, Blake Hayes, for a while there, uh, kind of kept his firm grasp on team MVP for the Illini. I mean, what he's done so far throughout his Illinois career is, arguably he's going to leave, I would say, as one of, if not the best punter in, in Illinois history, but just his ability to manipulate kicks the way he wants them to, uh, just, bat again, Watching Saturday's game and then listening to Scott Frost and some of his comments afterwards, it's kind of like, what was Nebraska doing for the past eight, nine months? Uh, didn't they realize that Blake Hayes won punt, Big Ten punter of the year in 2019? Uh, didn't they realize that 
Yes, it was the Illinois spring game. It was the first chance for Illinois to kind of show what they could do for the Brett Bielen there. But didn't they kind of realize, too, that Illinois is not going to come out in the spring game and show exactly everything they were going to do? I, I just was kind of – Scott Frost was the surefire coach to for Nebraska when he was hired, and everyone lauded it as this great hire. And now looking at it with some hindsight, it's like maybe he wasn't. I don't know. I mean, just the fact that he said that he had to throw out half of his exactly. offensive game plan as soon as Illinois lined up in what I mean, you could see it's either you know a two four five or really a four two five because Owen Carney and Isaiah Gay. I'm not sure they ever dropped back into coverage, but okay, yeah, it's different than what you expected. But I mean, just to it's one to have to throw out half your offensive game plan when that happens is bad enough. But two, like, don't tell people that. <laughs> like, I mean, no one is going to respond to that kindly, and uh, they didn't. And you know, his seat was hot already just because of you know lack of success in his first three years. Throw an NCAA investigation on top of that. Uh, and now, I mean, it's just like I was joking a lot last week. It was like, yeah, even if Nebraska loses, they're not going to leave Scott Frost on the tarmac at Willard. But you know, as that game progressed, and like they just kept making stupid mistakes. If the fans had a vote, they might have. Yeah, I was like, what? You know, well, maybe maybe Trev Alberts is just going to shut the door and, like, Scott Frost is, like, holed up in a hotel somewhere in Champaign. Find your way back to Lincoln. Yeah, it was, like, it's bad. And, like, the score was closer than I think maybe the game really mm-hmm. was. Yeah. And Nebraska, again, shot itself in the foot. Now, their last scoring drive, I think they, it took them, like, six or seven minutes. I was like, do you not have a sense of urgency when you're down multiple touchdowns and it's the fourth quarter and – you have to do something or lose, and they lost. Well, I mean, in even um, I was driving into the office on Saturday, so I didn't see this <clears throat> play live, but I was listening to, to Brian Barnhart and Martin O'Donnell here on, on these airwaves, and what, it was 9-2 to two Nebraska leading? Your typical football score. Exactly. Whoever had that. On the I was <laughs> happy when it got to 9-9. Nine to nine. <laughs> I thought, at least that sounds like a football game. It's true. But Ono was trailing 9-2, and Art Sikowski threw – the interception and then Nebraska like Scott said just shot itself in the foot with two really bonehead penalties uh that again I'm not saying that if those wouldn't have happened Illinois wouldn't have won the game but at that particular moment when Nebraska picks gets the interception you're thinking okay well Nebraska is just going to kind of keep that momentum going forward and then lo and behold those two penalties really really hurt Nebraska and, and helped Illinois um and yeah, just just the fact that Illinois really kind of established an identity, I feel, in, in Saturday's game was was pretty telling. And um, we've all seen coaches have success in their season openers at Illinois, and what that plays out the rest of their career is, is varying circumstances. But Brett Bielema could not have started off his Illinois tenure probably on a better note than than what he did on on Saturday. And then uh, late in the first half when Nebraska could have just been content enough to get to the locker room. They dropped the ball. and uh, you know, Literally was, dropped the ball. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Calvin Hart picked it up, took it in 41 yards, and talk about some momentum there. And they got the opening kickoff in the second half and killed more than half of the third quarter clock with that drive. 
And that was a Big Ten drive right there. That exactly. That was that was quintessential what you were anticipating out of a Brett Bielma team. You could picture that drive happening on a late fall afternoon where it's you know thirty forty degrees and the weather kind of dictates that. Maybe not on a ninety degree day like it was on on Saturday with sweltering heat. But to back to the the fumble too, and again. This is just my own experience from the game. I was here in the office watching the game. I had it on the TV, and when that fumble happened, Fox, I think, was shocked too because they changed their graphic instantly to touchdown Nebraska, and they gave Nebraska <laughs> six points and said they're up 15-9. to nine. But anyway, I digress. But just that, that drive to open up the second half, and I'm writing about this in, in tomorrow's paper, I think it really just kind of showcased the depth that Illinois has at the running back spot and also, too, just the belief in Illinois, uh, just, just again, having an identity. And I thought what was really smart too, just watching that game unfold. And again, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that Illinois is going to go to the Rose bowl. They're going to win the big 10 West. They're going to play in Indy in December, but it seemed that there was actual in-game adjustments made and coaching schemes that tailored the talents and attributes of the players on the field. Cause I guarantee you a lot of Illinois fans, when Brandon Peters went down, they go, Oh man, yeah, Archikowski's coming in. All we really know about him is he had a really, really bad freshman season at Rutgers, was never kind of the guy after that in his two seasons, and then seeing that interception happen. But then the way Tony Peterson called the game really played in well to Sikowski's favor because he wasn't asking him to throw the ball down the field. Now, again, at some point, if Brandon Peters doesn't come back, and Archikowski's the guy for a while now, he's going to have to throw the ball down the field. Teams are going to adjust Texas San Antonio – uh, Bronco Mendenhall at Virginia, Mike Loxley at Maryland, I guarantee you they and their entire staffs were glued into Saturday's game to kind of try to find any sort of puzzle that they could try to unlock with Illinois. But it was just a smart, well-executed game plan, and, you know, Illinois didn't beat themselves. As far as Brandon Peters goes, Brett Bielma talked today a little bit about that, and Scott, I don't know about you, but I was – a little bit surprised. I thought he might say he he's out for two or three weeks, and he might be, but he didn't uh, say that yet at this point, and said that they haven't ruled him out for this week, but it was probably not likely. Yeah, and I'll be surprised if Brandon I Peters would be too. plays against UTSA. Uh, but I think I mean the the biggest news is it wasn't a long term injury because right. you know he gets hurt and you know you see him walking off and he's kind of cradling his left arm mm-hmm. and it's not his throwing arm so that's obviously the you know a plus to begin with but he comes back in a sling um and it turns out you know no no real structural damage and you know we'll be back a- at some point but i think arsikowski is going to be the guy uh, again you know this saturday and the fact that you know it seems like he's been around big 10 football for a while and indeed he has he's spent three years of right he's got three years of eligibility left he, he could be a three-year guy at Illinois, <laughs> and he's only listed as a sophomore, mm-hmm. and he's probably a senior in the classroom. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know if he's going to stay that long, but something happened today that you won't see. Uh, I would bet you won't see it happen again all season long, that all the Big Ten honors <laughs> were garnered by the same team, mm-hmm. and uh, you get why. There are only two Big Ten teams playing, and Nebraska didn't have anybody, so this probably won't happen again when everybody gets going, but... Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week, Art Sitkowski. The Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week, Calvin Hart Jr. The Special Teams Player of the Week, Blake Hayes. And the uh, Freshman of the Week, Deuce Spann, who had one play. <laughs> but it, it was a big one. It and, was a big one. Uh, I mean, there weren't a lot of freshmen that played. 
for Illinois. Um, there were no true freshmen that played that I could find. Yeah, he's, Isaiah, a, he's a Isaiah, redshirt. Isaiah Williams is technically a redshirt. He is, which is crazy. So I, I mean, I suppose like he could have. That's uh, what I thought. I, I mean, I guess I'm not certain why he didn't get the award. If they're both redshirt freshmen, I would have given it. And that was the case. I would have given it to Isaiah, but uh, that was a big play. The thing about it was nobody <laughs> knew who <laughs> caught the ball. Well, because I mean, it was a great throw by Arsikowski for for one. And uh, I'm looking at it, I see, I see you know, number six catch it. I'm like Tony Adams. But I was I, <laughs> I mean I was like well, I didn't even cross me. I was like it can't be Tony. But who's number six? And then look at the roster. I was like. Span is now uh, apparently a wide receiver. And was there a collective uh, conversation going on in the press box when that happened, Scott? Well, mostly just it was like sort of disbelief that like Span just hauled in this forty-five <laughs> yard catch and like toe tapped it, got you know a foot in and almost scored. You know, six inches away from a touchdown. There was a collective conversation in the radio booth about <laughs> it because it was on the far side, mm-hmm. so you couldn't really tell. It was a tough call for Brian Barnard to see who it was at first and. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, Deuce Span is the now working with the wide receivers. That's why Brett Bielema didn't allow more than fifteen minutes for reporters to go to training camp. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> where we would have seen that. But yeah, so the the quarterback room keeps you know getting smaller and smaller, but producing at the same time. And yeah. they, but know. it's also clear, I think, what Tony Peterson and Brett Bielema want because if you look at Brandon Peters, Art Sikowski, and then you know the third string quarterback right now is Ryan Johnson, you know, a walk-on transfer from Northern Michigan. Uh, they all are much bigger than, say, mm-hmm. Matt Robinson, who is, you know, fourth string at this point. And yeah, six foot, maybe? And Span can always go back. Isaiah mm-hmm. Williams technically could go back if guys start falling yeah. at the quarterback position. We've got the phone lines open. Let's get the, a call in here from Allen. Go ahead, Allen. Well, guys, uh, how's it? Totally enjoyed the game. I thought that might have been Illinois' best special teams game they played in maybe 20 years. They only had one uh, miss, uh, mishap, and that was a 55-yard field goal. They didn't make it. But I thought uh, outside of that, I thought with the special teams was perfect. Uh, obviously, the kicking game was great. I do think we have the best. You're cutting out, Alan. Um, obviously, you're in your cell phone somewhere out in the uh, central Illinois area, but we've, we've lost you. But uh, your point was well made. Uh, special teams did uh, play well. Also, only three penalties in the game. Very un-Illinois-like, uh, in recent years at least. Yeah, and just one turnover. Uh, Diane mm-hmm. Navarro made a really good catch. It was another you know good throw from Arzikowski and then got popped across the middle and the ball you know, comes out, which is not ideal, but um, you know, like Matt said, you know, Illinois did not beat themselves against Nebraska, and you know they had kind of a tendency to do that at times. Kudos to the crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, they had uh, announced a crowd of forty-one thousand and sixty-four. I was pleasantly surprised when I looked to the uh, the north end zone and saw the uh, student area and where the marching line I sit during the game. It was pretty much full. Yeah, I mean, and like right. At kickoff, it seemed like there were some students that were looking for a seat that couldn't find one. Right. And I can honestly say I've never seen that before in my time covering Illinois football. And it was a million degrees outside. <laughs> so I was very thankful to be in the press box. Um, but, you know, the fans you know, showed up, and maybe it wasn't a sellout, but it was 
you know, a good atmosphere, and you know they were rewarded, obviously, with a, an Illinois win. Well, I mean, all things considered, too, with the pandemic still raging on and, and this being the first real, I mean, big sporting event at Illinois, no disrespect to Janet Rayfield's soccer team most in North Carolina two days before that at, at Demersion Park, but just the the opportunity to get out there and, and show their support. And, and, you know, Brett Bielema mentioned it in his, his post-game press conference about the student section. And to me, that's that's a huge factor is to get the, the student buy-in because not only are you getting them there for this season, but you're trying to lure them in for years and, and decades to come to. And, um, you know, we can all sit here and, and think back to many Illinois football games in the past where you could individually count how many students were in the north end zone um, so to see that, I think, was a, a really welcome sight and uh, eager to see what the the crowd will be like Saturday night. Cooler temperatures supposed to be on the horizon. Night Saturday game. Saturday night, night yeah. game, 6.30, get all day to lather up and, and tailgate. and uh, Hydrate. And hydrate in multiple ways. <laughs> but, I mean, it's also important that Illinois won. Exactly. Week yes. zero because, you know, they lose to Nebraska, you're going to lose – Part of that crowd and part of that student section. For so sure, is this sure week right. one game then? But they're one and zero. Yeah, it's okay. goofy because <laughs> really, just let's get rid of week zero. Like if teams play, that's the first week of the college football season. But got you know, a, no one asked me. Interesting game coming up Thursday night. Uh, we'll talk more Big Ten football coming up. But Ohio State plays at Minnesota Thursday night in a battle of a ranked team that is preseason number four in the Buckeyes with a new quarterback. So. We'll talk about that and then talk more about UTSA. They don't like to be called University of Texas San Antonio, but that's where they're from. <laughs> you know, you can't. <laughs> that's where you're from. So for, for folks that might be not sure what UTSA is, there you go. They're from San Antonio, Texas, relatively new in Division One, and a pretty decent team last year. They were 7-5, and five, went to a bowl game, mm-hmm. lost in a bowl game. And they've got as many guys back as Illinois has back as far as the seniors and super seniors go. Yeah, every time I've looked at this Illinois schedule this season, it, it, that this upcoming game on Saturday night is, is one that is just very intriguing because you've got a, a program like Texas San Antonio. Sorry, UTSA. I'll refer to you by that on second reference. The Roadrunners. The Roadrunners. Pretty cool nickname. Original. Uh, they've only been playing football since 2011. So not a lot of history there, but they do have one of the top running backs in the country in Sincere McCormick uh, that uh, Ryan Walters and, and his defense is going to have to to prep for. And it's a season opener for them and a chance to knock off a Big Ten team in their own stadium. I'm sure it will be a rallying cry for, for them all week. And yeah, just uh, it's a game that on paper Illinois should not lose, but in reality can't overlook well, they're the, only a six-point favorite exactly and, and the fact too that it's the first non-conference game and it's coming a week before illinois goes to virginia for a september 11th game and then big 10 play again kicks off for illinois uh the following week so the back half of the schedule for illinois i think is by far the more difficult half of the schedule so illinois needs to continue to rack up wins early on in the calendar or in the season to uh, to guarantee a shot to play later in the season. It was a big recruiting weekend on campus, basketball, football as well, women's basketball. And we're going to talk about that as we move along. But Peter is on the line with a basketball recruiting question. Go ahead, Peter. Okay, thanks. 
Um, Coach Bielma has made it very clear that recruiting the state of Illinois is a, is a high priority for him, and you can see that in the number of commitments we have from the state. I'm just wondering, what about uh, Coach Underwood and Ben's basketball? I, I don't get the sense that it doesn't seem to be as crucial to him. In other words, if he can get good players from out of state, he'll take them. If he can get them from Illinois, fine also. But it, it doesn't seem to uh, – I don't get the, the sense that he, he is, is uh, focused on Illinois recruiting, not to say he's not, not recruiting players from the state, but it doesn't seem to be the emphasis Coach Bielmas has made in football. Is, is that perception accurate? And also, if we don't recruit top players from Illinois now, when we've just been a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, number two ranked uh, uh, in the country, well, when are we going to recruit, recruit those the, the good players from the state, and is that going to hurt us in the long run? I'll hang up and listen. Good uh, questions, uh, Peter. We appreciate the call. Scott, you want to attack that one? Sure, and um, also use this opportunity to let everyone know that I, I, did, I did discuss this um, in the latest episode of Inside <laughs> Illini Basketball, available wherever you get your podcasts. But you know, Brett Underwood you know, has – you know, talked about recruiting the state of Illinois, and you know, that is important. But, and I'll kind of condense what I said earlier today, you know, basketball is a little bit different. And, you know, you don't have that situation like where the flying Illini, you know, that 89 Final Four team, everyone was from Illinois. That just doesn't happen. It's not just at Illinois. You know, this, Michigan doesn't have all Michigan kids. And I think one of the reasons is it is different is kind of, you know, the the rise of, you know, this AU basketball exactly. culture and you know, the fact that these kids are playing all across the country and you know they get exposed to more and they maybe get a chance to see what it's like that let's go play you know somewhere else and also part of it is like you know the rise of you know, a lot of these prep schools where kids are leaving maybe the state of Illinois and you know Illinois the only coaching staff has recruited the state. I mean, Io DeSumo came, and like that turned out pretty well. And they also had two players that played high school basketball in Illinois, and, and Adam Miller and Jermaine Hamlin, who then transferred. Yeah, so it, it's. I think football is different. Where, and I think you can still, if you lock down your home state, and if it's a good one, I mean, you could lock down like a bad high school football. Well, I think team. It's, it it's, be anything, but. it's also different than you're talking. 13 guys on the basketball scholarship and 120 guys. Well, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, and you look at, at Brett Bielma's 2022 class right now, he's got 16 commits, uh, nine are fec- technically from the state of Illinois. Um, that's more than half. That's what more than 50% of the class. Basketball, if you get half the class from the state of Illinois, it's okay. That's, that's good. That's a win. So, I, I mean, you, you've got a, Guy and Brandon, I'm going to butcher his name until I get it right. Brandon Pudjimski, did I get that close? That was actually 100% right. From Wisconsin. I know <laughs> it's not in Illinois, but it's right next yeah. to Luke Illinois. Goody. Luke Goody from Indiana. Indiana. It's, right just, next. it's just not the same. And you know, Illinois is still recruiting players from the state. You know, it's Kind of looking at the class of 2022, doesn't maybe look like they're going to get any. Um, you know, Jaden Shoot seems to be trending towards Duke after you know, they were kind of late to his recruitment, but, you know, it's Duke. Duke. Um, Braden Huff, you know, Gonzaga's made a late play for him as well as you know a lot of other Big Ten schools. But like class of 2023, Illinois was out early in the recruitment of a bunch of guys from the state and remain involved with a bunch of guys from the state. So maybe it's not every year, but like Illinois is going to recruit this state 
it just won't only recruit this state. Need to get a break in here momentarily, but let's squeeze in Neil from Bloomington. What do you say, Neil? How you doing, Mrs. Kelly? I want to talk to Scott about Illinois football. I'll change it up on him. Okay. It's like, okay, I saw that game Saturday, and it looks like this coach might be the real deal. Remember when Brad Underwood took the job at Illinois? Before he ever had one practice, they were already saying he wasn't going to last three years. So I hope this is the same kind of deal. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, appreciate the call, Neil. Thanks for listening, as always. Yeah, I think Brett Bielma is a good football coach, and he's a at at heart a college football coach. Um, I know he spent the last three years in the NFL um, in between jobs, but like I think this this is the level that he's been successful at. I think it's a level that he enjoys being at, and you know he's one or no at Illinois, so the honeymoon period continues. And yes. and he's from Illinois, Scott, and he's undefeated. I mean, sh- sure. That I was mean, his 98th win, career win overall. So, I mean, could have 100 here pretty soon. Yep, it could. And I think we had a you know caller question if Illinois is going to celebrate it. I think they'll celebrate a win. I don't know that they'll be right anything extra. 5:33. You need to take a break. Stay with us. Keep calling if you like. 217-356-9397. This is Monday Night Sports Talk on DWS. 5304300. Evergreen Place, the place to be. Five thirty-six Monday Night Sports Talk. Steve Kelly with Matt Daniels and Scott Ritchie, and open phone lines if you want to jump in. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Up next for the Fighting Illini football team, you're a voter in the uh, AP Top Twenty Five, Scott. Yep. So the, we're still working on the preseason poll, right? The, there was not a new poll today. Illinois no. not number one, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, th- there was no um, ballot due this weekend because there were only still pre week one yeah, yeah, handful games. It's because the AP top twenty-five doesn't like Illinois, Scott. That's the only logical explanation for a lot of people. Would you have? Uh, let's get hypothetical. Well, it's hard to do a hypothetical because nobody else played. Well, I mean, would you toss the toss a few votes their way? After a win over Nebraska in a conference game? No. <laughs> I mean, I don't think so. I mean, it well, was... What if they're 4-0 four, four and, oh and going to... Well, they'd be going to Purdue at 4-0 oh, if they can get to 4-0. and oh. Then I think you start to think mm-hmm. about it. Because that'd include a road win at Virginia. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, Virginia's... I don't know. They're in a weird place in college football. Never terrible, but never... Right. Like, super great. Uh, but that'd be a good win for Illinois. So that... Plus a home win against Nebraska. Again, you know, I think you have to start thinking about it after one win. I think even you know, when I would when I do vote next this coming weekend, maybe after two wins, maybe I still don't think it's well. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Well, it's an interesting situation because if you're an Illinois fan, obviously you want to see Illinois win. But then if you want them to possibly get into the top 25 obviously they have to keep winning but then you want to see nebraska keep winning you want to mm-hmm. see texas san antonio keep winning teams on down the line to kind of bolster illinois resume nebraska's so going to win their next two more likely but uh not the one after that is that the game that they tried to <laughs> sneak out of yeah oops yeah maybe oklahoma the might the have oklahoma game uh, something the anniversary of the game of the century or wherever that is um utsa Enrollment of 35,000 students uh, in San Antonio, Texas, 
They've got 115 players on the roster. 90 are from the state of Texas. There's some There's in-state recruiting. There's a lot of recruiting. football players. <laughs> <laughs> There's some in-state recruiting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also, um, you can make a living recruiting just the, the state of Texas. And I was actually on a Zoom this morning with their coach, Jeff Trailer, and, you know, he mentioned, asked him about Sincere McCormick. You know, there's All-American running back. And did he offer of, a sincere approach or response? I, I think he did. He is, so he's one of those Texas kids and, like, said that they, obviously with a sort of still new program, they've gotten some Texas kids to buy into what they're doing. And um, they play, they play. I mean, that's a, if you, that's the state you're going to try and build a program in, yeah, I think that's the best one. He's kind of a small guy, so maybe that's one reason they got him. He's 5'9", but... He rushed for sixteen hundred yards last season. Yeah, and for him, I mean, he's he's played two years, and I think he already has like thirty five hundred rushing yards. I'm sure career. there are some fans in Austin and College Station that probably wish he was on their team now. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting thing they're doing there, and you know something that their coach also mentioned is like San Antonio's the eighteenth. This is his fact. I didn't look it up yet, but eighteenth biggest city in the country. So they feel like they have a base where they could maybe. You know, continue to build on some success that they've had, and we'll see. Don't yeah. have don't have a home stadium though; they're all their own. They, they play, play at the Alamo, the Alamo Dome. Dome. Yeah, get out of the heat, I guess. In Texas, that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, the biggest draw in the Alamo Dome anytime he'll go there. Rodeo. George Strait. Okay. There George Strait uh, is from San An- San mm-hmm. Angelo, which is right near San Antonio. So okay. Never a, been to San Antonio. He's a Texas icon. I just yeah. want to tell yeah. you that. And one of my heroes. By the more, way. the more you know. <laughs> Can't know too much about uh, good old country music and the, the way country music ought to be. Um, Twelve super seniors, twenty-four total seniors. Those are Illinois. Although Illinois has got forty-one total seniors, but they've got ten starters back on offense and all eleven on defense, and their special teams guys back, the kickers. Yeah, and this has been a game like. Remember on the schedule that I've thought a lot about, and as I put together my sort of my season predictions, going game by game, I had Illinois beating Nebraska and then losing this game to UTSA. Now, having seen Illinois play in person, I think I'll reevaluate. But it's giving me very much Western Michigan in what Lovey Smith's first year vibes, and I picked Western Michigan to win that game at the Esquire, was booed loudly for that, and then, you know, the weird, Broncos a won. A bunch of people have just showed up outside our studio, Scott, with <laughs> picket signs. And as long as there's not, like, torches and pitchforks. <laughs> and <I think laughs> Matt, okay. you, couldn't, you couldn't even squeeze in your <clears throat> homer. No, exactly. No, I couldn't. I mean, Scott's a straight shooter. <laughs> he he kind of calls it like he, like he sees it, and, and he buys in wholeheartedly once he, you know, goes a certain way, and Texas San Antonio, it's not like they're going to be playing you know, Texas State in the 1990s classic unnecessary roughness. You know, it's it's a real solid football team. Again, doesn't have much tradition at all. And if you don't know much about them, you're thinking, oh, Illinois should win three by three, four touchdowns at all. But they were a legit program last year, made a, a bowl game. Can't remember the name of the bowl game. I think it was in... They lost to Louisiana. Lost to Louisiana, who was a heck of a team yep. last year. Um, so they've got some some positive momentum rolling, and, and like I said too, this is arguably going to be their biggest game of of the season, chance to make a name for themselves by knocking off a Big Ten team at their home stadium. Yeah, they play in Conference USA, and their colors are orange and blue. There you go. 
they look like the Denver Broncos coming into town. <laughs> Hopefully they won't play like that. It is 5.43, a break, and more Monday Night Sports Talk here on DWS after this. Two one. Five forty-five on Monday Night Sports Talk. We've got about fifteen minutes left. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. If you'd like to jump in, seventy-five degrees, kind of cloudy. Looks like we might get some uh, potential thunderstorms tonight. Looking ahead to uh, Saturday, the high for the day is only in the upper seventies. Mm-hmm. So that means a nice, pleasant uh, evening. Now, I know you don't like those uh, 640 and possibly 645 start times. As I've I've aged, Steve, as I've matured, I've I've gotten over that. It's it's (laughs) not all about... There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's out of my control. We just uh, adapt and uh, do the best we can. Speaking of things, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> hey, I, I'm a year younger a, than Matt, so I can still be you know take it as a personal affront. It's not as bad as the uh, the Maryland game. I'm just going to pretend that's not happening. <laughs> that's eight. That's got eight fifteen all over it. But, yeah. uh, even though it says eight, but this is a six forty kick with a possible five minute slide. It's not going to slide back <laughs> if it slides no, at all. You can't, you can't slide to six thirty five. No, don't think it's going to do that, but. Uh, Anyway, speaking of things you can't control, one of my jobs at the game, after I do the pregame show, during the game, I'm, I'm, I've got my computer and I'm rolling mm-hmm. on the audio and, and cutting up highlights. Mm-hmm. And late in the first half, you know, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to start thinking what, uh, what I'm going to do in the 16 minutes I have at halftime, mm-hmm. roughly, uh, not counting the commercial breaks, but I always play a highlight or two. Well, late in the first half, I didn't have any highlights. <laughs> You know, the safety that was that play was kind of messed up, so the you know you couldn't figure out what happened that, and it, that's not a great highlight anyway. Mm-hmm. And then I had a Nebraska touchdown, and man, I'm not just going to play a Nebraska cut at halftime. And then the the play late in the half kind of saved me there. But uh, you're always looking ahead to to see what you're going to have next, and you can't anticipate it. Yeah, that's it's the just, beauty of sports. That's the fun of it. You, mm-hmm. you, the whole day is kind of a, what we call a wing job. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's very very accurate, and I suppose that's the way on on your side too, Scott. Because uh, you know you guys are deciding on the fly who's going to do what angle of the game, who's going to who's going to do the game story, and who's what sidebar is going to be done, and uh, that's an ongoing conversation, I would guess. Yeah, a little bit less of a conversation now because that just with myself. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, Lauren's in there too. Yeah, but I, I just I typically kind of just let Lauren go, you know, his own direction. It's. That's the best approach. Yeah, just let Lauren be Lauren, and then I can I handle more just the the game, the game story. Yeah, kind of the the biggest story of the game, and for Illinois, that was making good on you know winning a a Big Ten opener and against a divisional opponent, nonetheless. It's a good weekend for Illinois sports. Volleyball starts out Mm -hmm. uh, three and zero. Soccer managed to lose uh, lose a match, but. uh, a nice start for uh, the volleyball team. Yeah, Chris Thomas program uh, took care of business out in, in Milwaukee. Uh, had a, a five-set uh, opener against UC Santa Barbara, the, the Gauchos, I believe, Scott. That's correct. Scott's our uh, nickname guru over here. Uh, fun, if you ever want to s- try to stump Scott at trivia, try to name him a Division One school, and he'll have their nickname for him. It's a... Uh, Eastern Kentucky. Colonel. That's, yeah, that's an EIU's... Conference. Well, no, well true, are they yeah. still? I think I they're leaving. Know. I think they're going to the Sun Belt. Yeah. Um, Traders. Yeah, it's just 
many of the useless things that I have in my <laughs> head that I can reset. And then the, they followed up Illinois Volleyball on Friday night, uh, took down the Milwaukee Panthers in three straight sets. And then Saturday night in a little more than an hour, took down the, I think, are they still called their Crusaders or are they the Beacons now? I'm not sure when the change happens, okay. but like if Valparaiso. If, it, if it hasn't happened yet, they should reconsider Beacons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they won in three straight sets and, and set them up for um, a good opening weekend that now will continue this weekend back here in, in Champaign. Really tough match on, on Friday night, 8 p.m. against Washington. The Huskies made the Final Four back in the spring. Uh, those two teams have somewhat of a recent history. Illinois went out to Seattle in 2017, the year before they went to the Final Four, knocked off Washington on their home court in the second round to advance to the Sweet 16. So a good quality test for Chris Thomas's program. And then got a Saturday afternoon match against Colorado as well to uh, conclude the Big Ten Pac-12 Challenge. That'll be at Huff this weekend. We mentioned a big recruiting weekend with uh, some basketball uh, guys that have verbally committed, uh, scheduled to be here last week, and some guys they're trying to get to verbally commit and uh, eventually sign. Uh, what what are you hearing about that? Well, the one that's already on board, Jaden Epps, was here. So just was it was a good weekend to have him on campus as well as kind of a bonus recruiter and. Um, especially when you consider he's probably going to be the point guard uh, of, the, of the future. So yeah, any other players that Illinois signs in that 2022 class, like this is the guy that's going to be getting you the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the t- two big ones that they had in the 2022 class were Cam Whitmore and Cameron Corrin. And really those are, I don't want to say like the last guys Illinois is recruiting in the class of 2022, but they are by far the biggest priority and, if they, I think if they could get both, that would be sort of the ideal finish to that class. And, and if they don't, I'm not sure that they pursue high school recruits to round out kind of who they might bring in for next season because the transfer portal is going to be there. And there were almost 1,800 players in the portal this offseason. I would expect a f- similar number next year. And instead of maybe, you know, going after a high school recruit maybe you don't feel as strongly about, um, you could get a guy with three years of eligibility maybe, or two, a multi-year transfer that could play right away now, and that might be the move. But Cam Whitmore I think will be a five-star recruit by the time everything is said and done. It's trending upward. Has visited, took an official to North Carolina before he came to Champaign, so I think they're battling the Tar Heels there. Then Cam Corrin. Was before actually, you before you move on to that one, Scott Whitmore in the last half hour just released a top three on his Instagram, and it's got uh, North Carolina, Villanova, and Illinois. Well, there you go. So, like I mentioned, in a battle there, but you know, Cam Corn. This is actually his second official visit. He took one in June, which counted as an official during his junior year. So he's got another one, obviously, this weekend, and Illinois is really pushing him hard. And I mean, the fact that. You know, Chester Frazier is the lead recruiter on both cams, then also Sincere Harris and Jaden Epps. Like, you know, that's a good hire, Brad Underwood, apparently, because it's working out, has worked out well so far. And, like, if they can get those two guys, that'd be a, a huge class. Would vault them to number three nationally right now. Good stuff. Major League Baseball, the Cubs and the White Sox are off tonight. Cardinal fans hope that. <laughs> Reyes is off to, <laughs> for a while, the closer. But the Cubs are ahead of Cincinnati right now, 2 nothing. Goldschmidt with a two-run homer in the first inning. But um, 
not a good weekend or a deep no not a I good mean, end bull, of the weekend. Not a good bullpen series at all by the the Cardinals. They had a chance to to win all four games out in, in Pittsburgh and cut into the the Reds' lead in the wild card. More of setting up for you know potential three game series this week in Cincinnati where they could maybe overtake the Reds for for the second wild card spot. And um, I just don't understand the Cardinals sometimes a lot of times actually and. I don't think Alex Reyes has struggled at times this year. He was an all-star closer, but it also at some point too, I think Mike Schilt has to say, okay, he's he's not the ninth inning guy I think anymore. he's lost eight games. And you need to go in a different direction. You can't just keep throwing him out there because he's he's their guy to throw in, in the ninth inning. And lost or blown. Yeah, and, and watching that uh, that loss on Sunday was just really – you could the, the sad part about it was you could you see, could it, coming. see it coming. <laughs> exactly. The walk, okay. Then he, then he struck out the guy that's been killing the Cardinals, mm-hmm. and then another walk, and oh man. Anyway, you watch the golf playoff. That was some really good stuff. Not read about it though. That was seems pretty interesting. The uh, Patrick Cantley, Bryson DeChambeau. Is DeChambeau ever going to talk to the press again? I don't know. Okay. He's, he's probably talking to his putter still. <laughs> <laughs> He made some key putts, but he also missed some down the stretch in that five-hole playoff. Um, we need to take a break. Before we do that, uh, some sad news uh, today involving a guy that uh, all three of us know very well. His name is Jim Cotter. He uh, is a, an employee of the University of Illinois, works in the library, but also uh, on the side, covered sports mm-hmm. uh, for the Danville paper and for Orange and Blue News from mm-hmm. time to time. Uh, the radio station in Gibson City, so mm-hmm. he's been around a little bit, but he suddenly passed away this morning, and we were all sad to hear that. Yeah, he's just a, he was just a great guy, uh, one that you could always talk sports with, uh, always talk about family as well. He, he loved his family. He's got three kids, lives in, in St. Joe, and uh, he's just a, it's a it's a loss for the local sports scene. And he was a guy that anytime you saw him, he always would have a smile and, and a nice friendly conversation I don't think anyone who ever met him could say a bad word about him at all and it's just uh just tragic too it's just so sudden and so abrupt and um it's just uh, an unfortunate day and uh, you know just keep his family in, in your thoughts as they're going through arguably the most difficult thing a family could go through right now well said we'll take one final break and be back with some final words after this about a minute before 6 o'clock here on News Talk 1400 DWS. 14 years ago today, Dave Revson uttered the first words on the Big Ten Network. Crazy. <laughs> I remember watching the first game they televised was uh, Appalachian State upset over Michigan, uh, a football game. And, uh, yeah, that's crazy to think it's been 14 years since uh, – that uh, debuted on the airwaves but it's been a boon and as Jim Delaney proved during his tenure he did a lot of things right mm-hmm. and BTN is definitely one of those real quick what you're working on for this week uh, a lot of football coverage obviously uh, we're gonna hit the the local high school sports hard as well and just uh, a lot of a lot of events happening which is good and you can read more about them in the news. You want to plug that podcast again <laughs> before we go? Sure. Uh, Inside Illini Basketball, <laughs> I think it was episode 165, available wherever you get your podcast. And then later this week, Inside Illini Football That's true. with myself and Matt. Only episode 32 coming up, though. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Steve. Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie. Thanks to Ed Bond for his help on WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. This is Steve Kelly. Have a good night, everybody.